Blog Talk Radio. One of our young brothers is being put to rest And another family broken down over a death And for what? Some dude hating over somebody's success We ask brothers, yo, to strive to be great And when they do it, we always try to find a way to hate That's not being real, that's being fake Now, because of it now, look, we off to another weight You know what's sad? When you finally make it And the dudes that's supposed to be happy for you be hating Here you are becoming famous and your man have a grudge You be looking like, damn, where the love? Sometimes you never see it coming But trust me, when you do, it's fast like a hundred miles and running People in your own circle, most of the times be the ones that hurt you I'ma keep it a hundred It happened to my man back when we was running So one close burned us and we never saw it coming Dude set us up and put his cap on the platter Same dude that did it told me black lives matter We have to do better if we want to survive We have to stop the hate, we ruining lives We only come together, yo, when somebody dies We have to stay strong, we can't fight and divide We have to stay strong for all of the people We shouldn't have to worry, we should all be equal Money is the root to all evil. Black on black crimes have to stop. We killing our own people. Yo, I see my man Eddie is dialed for something petty. They killed my brother Joe because he could fight and had dope. They killed rich over hate and brick. They all died young. That shit makes me sick. They killed Max because they said he was trying to run shit. They shot pretty black over some dumb shit. All these senseless acts made me numb quick. Blacks killing blacks. We gotta overcome this. You see, I don't understand why we keep hating on the brother, man, cause he got a plan. All that Martin shit is good, but for us to make some real progress, we need our boys in the hood. Stop all the violence and shoot and what? Stop all the fighting and looting. We fighting for equality. Unity is how it's gotta be. As long as our community is solid, they gon' change all the policies. But really, though, it's up to us to make it work. And what? Honestly, black on black crimes is the worst. Yeah, this whole world is based upon hate and cheddar. But as the change that we race have to come together. We have to do better if we wanna survive. We have to stop the hate, we ruining lives. We only come together, yo, when somebody dies. We have to stay strong, we can't fight and divide. We have to stay strong for all of the people. We shouldn't have to worry, we should all be equal. Money is the root to all evil. Black on black crimes have to stop, we killing our own people. We gotta stop, y'all, stop, y'all. Yeah, 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 you know what it is. 
We live from Harlem. It's your man, DJ Big Stu. We up in the building. Shout out to everybody on iHeartRadio, everybody on TuneIn, Stitcher, Deezer, um, Google Play, College Underground Radio, everybody that's on all the platforms that we on. Big, big shout out to y'all, man. Make sure y'all tune in on with us on this great, great Sunday. And once again, make sure y'all check out our film, our new film dropping next week, Friday, on on the 26th, 7 p.m., B-Boys Make Some Noise, the history about how B-Boying started in 1973, the graffiti on the trains and all that, directed by yours truly. I got a lot of legends and a lot of top graffiti artists from the Graffiti Hall of Fame and all that. I got them on in there telling y'all how the story, how this real thing, how two other real elements of hip-hop really began. You know what I'm saying? But in the building, as promised, I got Mr. John Williams in the building, y'all. Welcome him to the show. Welcome to the show, my brother. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. And I really appreciate being here today. Oh uh, man, we 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 are glad to have you, man. You're a very, very talented <laughs> brother. Um, tell everybody where you're calling from. Uh, for those who don't know, I am calling from Atlanta, Georgia. All right. <laughs> now now where where it all began for you, brother? How did it all start? You know, where did where did day one come for you from? Oh man, honestly, it really started back. You know, elementary school. You know, I've been playing the flute since I was in third grade, and uh, from there, you know, it's something I pretty much stuck with up until middle school and high school. You know, uh, when the high school, of course, here in Atlanta at Frederick Douglass High School, I continued to you know uh, focus in on music. In my college years, I attended and graduated from uh, Morehouse College, where I marched in the band. Um, also, both in high school and in college, I was also the drum major. But, you know, music is something, you know, I just really stuck with. And when you're talking about playing the flute, I kind of had to be a, I had to be a cut above the rest because, you know, being the male flute player, you know, I kind of had to, I dealt I dealt with some things, you know, growing up. So <laughs> had to make sure that I was on top of my game. <laughs> All right. Who are some of the, like, the people who inspired you to do what you do? Ooh. Oh, man, uh, my number one inspiration would have to come from uh, one of my private instructors and mentors by the name of uh, Reverend Arthur McClinton. Uh, he's also an, an Atlanta native. He was also a drum major back at Morris Brown when he attended there. He was a teacher in the Atlanta public school system, and we attended the same church. And when I picked my instrument at the time, you know, I really didn't. I really didn't understand any kind of, you know, gender biases that went with it. You know how people say, you know, a flute is a girl's instrument and all that good stuff. But, you know, if you play a drums or a tuba saxophone, you know, those are, uh, you know, boy instruments, quote unquote. So, you know, Mr. McClinton, again, my mentor at church, he also played the flute at church. So seeing him directly play it, it would have a direct influence on me playing it. And he worked with me, and, you know, I just kind of grew from there. Now, how you know, like, when did you say, like, you you know, did you know, like, you was going to be a solo, or did you ever think where, where you was going to be a band? Like, growing up, what where, where was where was your mind directed at with, with playing the flute? Oh, man, growing, growing up, you know, I've always, you know how people say, what's your favorite subject, what's your favorite subject? And a lot of times, unless you really have people that's about their band life or their music life, you know, you may hear them say, oh, uh, science or mathematics or social studies, but, you know, mine was always... It was always banned. It was, you know, it was always banned. But to keep it 100, to keep it transparent with you, I've always planned on being a veterinarian. Like I didn't mm. plan on being, you know, a professional musician. I wanted to be a veterinarian all the way up through 12th grade. Uh, it was, it was, it was until the year I entered high school. I'm sorry, college, that I realized that out of everything, out of all the subjects, you know, I've dealt with, 
I always loved band the most. Band has always been that one constant. So because of that, going into college, I that's when I changed my major at the last minute to music education. And that's when I, you know, decided to go into teaching while still playing. Mm. Like being an independent artist, right? Like, and you playing the flute, what are some of the challenges that, you know, that, you know, that a younger person that see you right now might have, you know, that you conquered that you could pass a little information on to them? Um, I would say just stand in your own truth. You know, if it's something that you love to play, doesn't matter what facet of artistry it is, whether or not it's painting, singing, playing the clarinet, flute, whatever it is that you feel is true to you, you walk in it and walk tall in it. You know, don't don't let anybody deter you from doing what you know you're meant to do or called to do or what you love to do, anybody at all. And once you just remain adamant and firm in that calling, then you will def- then I think, you know, the universe will definitely pay, you know, uh, pay you back or pay that person back a hundredfold, you know. So, again, whatever your calling is, whatever you love to do, just, you know, don't let anybody deter you from it, no matter who it is. Friend, family member, it doesn't matter. You just stay true to it and keep at it, keep grinding, keep working at it. You know, uh, always sharpen your craft and follow your heart. I know it may sound cliche, but really follow that talent, follow your heart, keep working at it, and you will definitely, you know, reap the benefits of it. How did you hook up with some of the, like, you know, you, 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 you work with some, you know, great people that's out there. How did you hook up? You know, how did all that come about? Oh, man. Uh, so, again, in college and whatnot, you know, I've always did, like, little open mics and whatnot. I, I, all around Atlanta, you know, I'm always in the open mic circle, whether or not it was Apache, Cap, Apache Cafe, uh, Cats Cafe. And one thing I've always – I was always studio hungry, you know. And, again, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a flute player. And, I, and don't get me wrong, I played at hundreds of weddings. I've done all type of events, uh, uh, corporate events, weddings, funerals, bar mitzvahs, anniversaries, whatever. But, you know, uh, what I would normally do is I would play covers. That that was, and it still is, you know, one of the, my favorite things to do because I do it. I have the gift of playing by ear, you know. And because I play by ear, that means I could, I could pick up on music real quick, you know, without having to read it because I, I hear it. And that's something that I learned playing in church. And so playing all these covers, playing all these covers, playing all these covers, you know, uh, I got – I I did studio work with DJ Burn One. DJ Burn One is probably perhaps the most vital person in my life that has put me in a position to be able to work with different people. And so one uh one cover in particular that I did, uh you know I did uh I did Fables, you know uh, Scotty, well G for Wells, you know Scotty, you know, Scotty is calling me, I'm in the zone. Mm-hmm. And so I did that cover, and Fable actually re he re um reposted that on his IG. And so mm. a lot of love, you know, I shout out to Fable. I don't know if you're he, he listening, a shout out to him. And, you know, what, what Byron did is Byron reached out to me. He was like, bro, I got to get you in the studio. All right, uh, I want to get you on the song. Um, I'm doing Posse for the Superfly soundtrack. And I'm like, what? And I said, okay. I said, okay. So, you know, to make a real long story short, I wound up going to his house. You know, and honestly, mind you now, I'm, I'm a teacher. I've been teaching for about 10, 10 plus years at this point. So, you know, I – Things for real, for real, relating to the studio, I was kind of alien to. You know, I was, I was like, all right, I'm going with the flow. Burn one calls me. You know, we, I go to his studio and we record the part. And you know, he's like, uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna leave this part open. That's what Sleepy's gonna sing. And he say Sleepy. You know, he's talking about Sleepy Brown now. And I'm like, mind you now, being from Atlanta, grew up on Sleepy Brown. 
grew up on the Dungeon mm-hmm. family, uh, organized noise, Ray Murray, you know, Rico Wade. I mean, that's, those are like the gods of hip hop and production and music to me, you know. And so I'm hearing this, I'm like, I'm like, okay, whatever, man, what you want me to play? <laughs> you know, and so I played, and then, uh, you know, time went on, you know, and time went on. He's like, yeah, um, we're going to, um, yeah, uh, this person became, he was a part of, uh, of the project of the Superfly, you know, song. When I say this person, I mean Sleepy Brown, Scar, uh, Siraj Rex, uh, Chaz Parkman, Preston Crump. You have all these people who are who are affiliated with the Dungeon family in some kind of way, and they are all on this record. So I'm I'm starstruck, like, wow, this is really happening. Mm. Okay. And eventually, you know, and now my again, to be honest, I was still skeptical. But then I got an email from a, I think it was maybe, I think it was Universal Music Group. You know, I'm like asking me for my tax forms. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I guess it's Superfly thing for real, huh? All right, cool. That's what's up. <laughs> and so being blessed enough by DJ Burnway and the Five Points Bakery, shout out to Walt, shout out to Ricky, shout out to Anna Valina, uh, just being blessed enough to be a part of that, that's what really just, just really made me just, I think, take off, you know, uh, in a whole – and from there, from there, you know, I kept playing, kept performing, um, and – I got more gigs around Atlanta, and a huge gig that I got was with playing at the Atlanta International, you know, here in Atlanta. It's most, well, it's the international airport and one of the busiest airports in the world. And so I was really, 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 really blessed enough to get that gig. And when I got that gig, you know, I play all genres of music, you know, gospel, hip-hop, pop, Motown, soul, light jazz, like funk, every trap, you name it, you know what I'm saying, I, I play it. And so I'm in the airport. And I'm playing, my, I'm playing music, and again playing Faith, <laughs> playing uh Scotty. I didn't know I was being recorded. I'm being recorded at the time, and that in the recording it went viral. GA followers, uh, ATL on Instagram, ATL top twenty. These people are reposting this clip, so it went viral and went viral. And at the time, I didn't know Big Gip, Big Gip when he reposted, I'm like, oh what what. Mm. I'm blowing out my mouth because this is this is big OG right here. You're talking big guilt from the good and mob, and I'm so excited. And um, I mean, I can just stop right here because I talk all day on. I don't know. Yeah, you know. Nah, <laughs> I hear you. I mean, you know, you telling your you telling your truth. You know, that's what we want. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But uh, uh, well, you got a joint right called Solar Moon. What was the inspiration behind that? Solar Moon, Solar Moon, uh, shout out to Big Rube again, Big Rube from the Dungeon family, first generation, one of the, the best uh, spoken word artists, you know, in our generation, definitely from the South, and for people who still, who may not know who Big Rube is, and this is the way I have to, uh, I was like, you remember the, have y'all seen the movie ATL, and they say, yeah, okay, do you remember the scene when Rashad, you know, was uh, character played by T.I. He was in the hospital and he was looking out the window and then Nunu came up behind him real, you know, light and she grabbed his hand. The person that was doing the poem, <laughs> that was speaking during that time, that's Big Rube. You know, that's how I have, you know, to sometimes explain to people. So, uh, the inspiration was behind it is I wanted a song with a neo-soul vibe, you know. Again, I like to do a lot of different genres and and uh, Solar Moon pretty much, you know, it it, it, it just tells it just tells the story, you know, saying about about love or whatnot. And I just, just when Big Rule asked me, you know, what what to write about, I just say, hey man, just just talk about love, man. <laughs> you know, let's talk about love. And so he went in and he just, you know, he did his thing to it. And I wanted a type of song that had a neo soul love vibe that you know people could just 
chill out to, smoke to, if that's a pleasure, you know, uh, just relax with your boo with, and, you know, just enjoy. All right, we're going to get into that joint. This is one of the hottest brothers that playing the flute in the game right now. My man John Williams in the building. This is a hot joint called Solar Moon. We're going to get into this, and we're going to get back with the brother. We live from Harlem on Sunday, Beep Stew Radio. Let's get it.
Yeah, we're in the building with Mr. John Williams. We're on the cool-out tip. Now, you know, as somebody that played the flute, I'm pretty sure you stole a lot of other artists' women. You know, the flute is like, you know, one of them things. You got to hide your girl when dudes come in playing the flute. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, man, like, believe it or not, when I say it was quite the opposite, I mean, you know, of course, you know, you always hear the saying, you know, you got to get a drummer song. Yeah, that, that that was never the case with the flute, man. I mean, I mm. what I would do, what I would do growing up, I would, of course, I get bullied, I get teased, you know. Uh, but the thing about it is, when you see me, I'm like, I'm six foot, you know, even like two, you know, man, two forty, two fifties, and I look like a third string linebacker. So, you know, growing up, you know, people were teased, but nobody never wanted to uh, take it with the hands. But that's a whole other story. But the thing is, though, <laughs> I would get ridiculed and I get teased. But um, but when they hear me play, that's when all the talking stopped because, you know, I was good. You know, yeah. so as far as taking people, girls, nah, I never had that. Uh, <laughs> that was never a thing with me. <laughs> you know, no, like like I'm just looking at me. If I, you know, I, you know, I know how to cook a little bit. I can imagine myself having a girl come over when I was younger and play the flute and cook her <laughs> meal. This shit probably would be popping, you know what I'm saying? Because I had homies that was singing yes, do that shit. And they used to get over, you know? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, like, the genre, like, when somebody asks you what genre your music is in, what what do you tell them? Uh, I say, to give a blanket, I say instrumental in nature. That's because I'm trying to attack it from so many different directions. You know, I'm I'm trying to be neo-soul. Uh, and I really, I love the genre neo-soul. Uh, I, I was I was raised in church, so I definitely do gospel. I do classical. Uh, I can rap, you know, and I and I can do poetry. So I want to attack it from the hip hop perspective. So if people were to ask me, I mean, I, I'm, I'm instrumental in nature, but I can do all genres. What was the inspiration behind Morphine? Ooh man. <laughs> so mm. okay, so from the instrumental perspective, Morphine. It's about, and of course, if you know you know what morphine is, morphine, you know, it's a drug mm-hmm. that's used, you know, to induce, well, to reduce pain. It will give yeah. the user a, high, a heightened amount of pleasure, you know. And so uh, morphine, instrumentally, is a conversation between the flute, the piccolo, the alto flute, and the saxophone. Those are the four instruments that are used. And when you listen to the song real tough, you hear different, well, you hear a lot of the same musical devices played by every instrument, whether or not it's the same motif or the same, well, the same rhythm, the same sequence, the same pattern, or maybe some of the same notes. You know, all four instruments are playing those. That's on the instrumental um, perspective. Now, from a human perspective, honestly, morphine is about four people sitting in a room by themselves, passing around heroin, passing around a heroin needle. Mm-hmm. Until the, until the last deep. one, the last one hit, and they all and they all passed away. Yeah, that's crazy. Cause you know, being I'm from Harlem, I seen morphine pretty amount of times in my neighborhood. You know, it's supposed to actually be something that get people off a of heroin, but it seems to, you know, seems to get like you said, bring them an, another high to the point that, you know, they probably they'll do that. You know, so that's a deep song right there. So we are gonna get into that yeah. joint. Morphine, we got Mr. John Williams in the building, another hot joint, and we're going to get back, because I want to talk, when we come back, I want to talk to you about how you just said is, is a couple of different flutes you played, so, you know, you, that means you had to learn a bunch of different flutes, and you learned them all at a young age, so I want to talk to you when we come back off of this one about that, all right, so we're going to get into yeah. the Morphine, y'all, Mr. John Williams in the building, let's get it.
Already.
was another nice joint okay. right there. Morphine in the building. Now, you 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 to play all those instruments. Is it a case of when when you the, when you first learned to play the first flute, you automatically know how to play the other flutes, or did you study each flute individually? And you know, was it a thing that it came across over years, or was it like just have, when you was at the same time studying them all at the same time? Well, uh, the flute and piccolo, I pretty much learned those. Well, I learned the flute first, and then when I got in high school, I played the piccolo and marching band. Uh, and, again, and, again, if you see somebody my size playing piccolo, you're going to chuckle. Like, I, I would laugh at myself, too. But um, it wasn't until I got – I became a band director that I began to pick up other instruments um, such as trumpet, you know, uh, all the brass instruments, saxophone, clarinet, uh, the rest of the percuss- percussion instruments. I did that as I became a band director. And honestly, the difference between the flute, the alto flute, and the piccolo is just a matter of armature. Armature, and it, that's pretty much how you position your mouth when you blow into the instrument. And so with the alto flute, your armature has to be a little looser. And for the piccolo, your armature has to be a little tighter, you know, for you to blow. And that's pretty much, you yeah. know, just the main differences between the three. Now, with your with your experiences as a band director and all that, you ever thought about going into producing artists and stuff like that? Ooh, um, producing artists, um, not really. I honestly, I was just recently began tapping into the field of production myself. Um, I'm nowhere near where I, where I want to be, but I do kind of feel like that. Doing production, I have a leg up in terms of the different timbres and the different sounds that I want to utilize, you know, within a production. Um, but as far as different artists, not yet. I'm just honestly, I'm still working on getting myself off the ground. <laughs> now, now I see, like you know, your album be having a lot of features. Um, you know, you be having different features. What would be the super album to you as for features? If you could put one together, what would be like the super, like you know, what they what they call a dream team of albums? Oh my goodness! Oh man! Um, definitely Andre three thousand off the back, off the back three stacks. <laughs> and I've always said that one day, and I always put it out in the universe. One day, my flute is going to be on a on a track with Andre three thousand. One day, you know. But uh, mm. I had to make a dream team. Uh, definitely three stacks. Definitely. Um, Stevie Wonder would be great. Um, Killer Mike. J. Cole would be nice. Um, Janelle Monet. Mm. And I know it's somebody I'm missing. I'm drawing a blank right now, but definitely, definitely those. Those are some of the ones that I would love. And the Big Boy, of course. I say Andre 3000, mainly because he picked up the flute. Like, he plays flute as well, and he shows the flute love. Now, he plays a Native American flute, you know, which is a little different than the customary flute that I play, but it's still a flute nonetheless. So, But uh, definitely uh, Outkast, you know, both of them, mm. that would be great to have on the track, you know. It's dope that you said that because I've seen a recent interview where the younger Atlanta Cats wasn't really feeling Andre 3000, and, and they were saying his music wasn't relevant to them. How do you feel like that, being from Atlanta? What do you feel, because I'm a big Outkast fan, but what do you feel being uh-huh. from Atlanta? Like, what 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 do you feel 
is the like you know what they brought to the table for Atlanta. Oh man, they they've done so much and they laid groundwork for so many artists in different veins to just do what they do. I always, I mean now, of course there are there are always artists before Outkast, you know, uh, MC Shadis, Kilo Ali's. I mean there was tons tons of artists before Outkast, but I mean what Outkast did. And the way that they placed their stamp on the world of hip-hop, when Andre, you know, of course, said South got something to say. I mean, it just pretty much it lit, it lit, it lit a fire, you know, up under, I guess, the South for the world to see, for the world to really know, recognize and realize. And them doing that pretty much, again, just brought more eyes. It brought more eyes to Atlanta. And uh, for anybody who would – who would say that they were not influential or haven't done anything? I, I just I I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Mm. You can't be in Atlanta. And again, my I teach middle school, and so I even ask my students, you know, do you know who Outkast is? And, so, and honestly, some of them may not know. Some of them they don't know. Some of them do know, especially when they take my band class. Oh, they don't know who Outkast is. But um, I always I always make it a point to educate them you know, on certain hip-hop acts, you know, to come from Atlanta because um, I always teach Atlanta pride. And even though I teach band, you know, I always dive into Atlanta music. And I want them to have a sense of pride of being from Atlanta. This is the music that made us who we are. You know, these are the artists who pretty much, who wrote, who whose DNA is in, the, is in the music of anybody else you're listening to right now. I don't care if it's, uh, I don't care if it's Little Baby, I don't care if it's Thugger, I don't care who you listen to, uh, Migos, whoever. You crawl through, you go through some type of way, you're going to find the DNA of the Dungeon family, outcasts, you know, and those who came before them in their music. Whether or not it's the fashion, the, uh, the flow, the individuality of them, of their uh, demeanor, they're going to be a part of them somehow. So everybody, you know, just show appreciation. <laughs> All right. That, that's deep. That's deep. Now, say – Three years from now, man, if we were to sit right back down here and kick it over again, what would you like to have hope to accomplish in three years from now? Three years, I want honestly, and I hope this. Well, I know I hope, hopefully this doesn't sound too vain, but I really want a Grammy. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I want a Grammy. I uh, mm-hmm. I have a, a mental mantra that whatever I do. It doesn't matter what it is. I want to crush that ish. I want to crush it. For instance, I'm a teacher right now. And, you know, I'm, I am a teacher. I'm a band director. But, you know, I got back in 2019, I received my doctorate degree in music education. You know, so in the vein, in the, in the veil of, you know, teaching, I, I achieved one of the highest levels of education I could do. You know, I can get. I crushed it. You know, um, even as a flute player, I want to achieve what a lot, a lot of people perceive to be, you know, the highest accolade you can get in music and that's winning the Grammy. Of course that's 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 debatable, you know. That's you know, that's 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 perspective, that's debatable, that's whoever, you know, you want to look at it. But I I do want a piece of hardware to say that yes, I've reached the mountaintop to some degree with something that I with what I do that I love so much. That being playing the flute. So three years from now I wanna say, um I wanna at least be able to have a Grammy. Um at least have put out and at least two more projects. Um, 
I, I mean, and it's so much little things I want to do. Like, I want to put out a Christmas album. Um, I want to put out. I'm going to. I want to put out a, a a sample pack for producers to use. You know, for flute. It's like so much, and uh, I just want all of those things to be done. You know, everything I say oh. I want to do, I just want to do it. All right. Now, man, if there's anything, man, that I haven't touched on, man, that you want the world to know about John Williams, man, please feel free to tell him right now. Just look out. Look out. Uh, shout out to Lizzo. I want, I want to give a shout out to Lizzo uh, because, you know, as far as marrying, you know, the different genres, one of the first things that people knew about it is that she played flute, you know. And she she didn't hide that from anybody. She didn't, you know. Of course, she sings more, a lot more so than she, you know, that she would play flute in the public eye. But she that she made sure that the flute is the forefront of of what she is and who she is. So again, shout out to Lizzo for that. But um, I want people to anytime somebody says or mentions or breathes the word flute, I want to be the first name that you know that comes to their mind. I want to be the first yeah. person they think about. That's deep. That's and, real. Especially, you know, and uh, and I also I want to be a trailblazer, you know, for for young women, you know, to play instruments that people feel are are masculine. I want to be the, I want to be the trailblazer for you know for young men to play instruments that people feel are too feminine. You know, like just I, I want to be the one to break all the negative stereotypical, you know, uh, ideologies that comes with playing a certain instrument. That's yeah, that's, that's 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 you know that's a good thing, man. Now you got the joint with Big Gip, you know, the, you know, you got the dope joint with him, Night Drive, man. What's what's the inspiration behind that one? Goodness gracious, Night Drive! Oh my goodness! Shout out to Gip, shout out to James Worthy, shout out to DJ Burn One once again. Uh, inspiration behind it, honestly, is that sometimes you know. Okay. Some of the best peace that I've had comes in driving because when you're driving, especially if you're just driving alone, it's just you in the car. Sometimes you you would even turn the radio off and it's just you driving. And so when you come, when you as a teacher, you know, I'm working around students all day long, all day, all day, breaking up fights, you know, doing all this kind of, and so when you get in your car, you just drive, it, it's kind of soothing actually. Then you add the nighttime element to it. It just really gives you a, a nice headspace, clear it out, you know, and just, Reflect on whatever you want to reflect on. So, uh, real to make it real, real quick, because I know time is of the essence. Burn One and I, when we were working on my debut album, Melodic Ascension, Burn One and I, we pretty much we we made the beat of Night Drive. You know, of course he produced it and he he put the magic on it. But you know, I played on multiple elements. The trumpet you hear in the beginning, that's me playing. Mm-hmm. I'm playing on some congas. I'm playing, of course, I'm playing the flute in the back. And so we had the beat. Burn one shopped it around to different people. You know, nobody really, um, nobody bid on it. People showed interest, but they didn't really hop on it the way that you know we thought they would. And so I found, I told Burn, I was like, hey, well, let me go ahead and get it. You know, I, I put it on my album. You know, and he was cool with it. Again, I'm in the airport. I'm playing Big Gil re uh, reposted my the video that went viral of me playing in the airport. And then I just slid in and uh, Gil's DMs. I was like, hey, hey, bro, this my name is John Williams. You recently reposted a video of me playing. Blah blah blah. I'm about to, uh, I'm doing a song entitled, you know, uh, Night Drive, produced by DJ Burn One. 
And you know, and I know, I know, Gip and you know, Big Rube. They, of course, they brothers. You know, they're in the Dungeon Family. So I tried to name them mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah. You know, I do on my last album. I did a song with Big Rube. You know, hey, you know. <laughs> so uh, he was gracious enough. He said, he said, yeah, man, go ahead and just send me over the beat. I'll let you know. And uh, he, he hit me back. He was like, yeah, I do it. And uh, I, I said, man, what is your cash out? <laughs> you know, I, mean, I paid him like yeah. that. As soon as he gave me the price, like I, I've never paid somebody so fast, and I did that. And um, COVID hit, so you know we kind of had to pause on it. But he wanted to do it in the studio. That was the big mm-hmm. thing with Gibb. You know, he he, he didn't want to just turn in the verse. He wanted to do it in the studio. So uh, we eventually got the date together. You know, DJ Burn one one of his one of his mentors and good friends is David Banner, and David Banner allowed us to record it in his studio. That was hot. That was <laughs> you know, that was cool. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so and when as we were recording, I thought Gip was only going to do one verse. He turns around to do two verses, and I'm just I'm just so appreciative, and I'm in awe the whole time. Uh, then Gip, you know, he says he like, yo, um, they slide the track to you know a, a, to somebody I didn't know at the time, whose name is James Worthy, and you know James Worthy, you know he put he put his uh the melody on the hook, and in all honesty, at first I, I really didn't. I really didn't see a melody, a melody being the hook. I wanted the hook to be instrumental, like you know, like uh, like when they reminisce, you know, and da 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 You know, the the hook is instrumental. Spody Odie Doublelicious, just like Outkast, the hook. You know, the hook is instrumental, and originally that's what I had in mind. And honestly, I'm so proud that I I was wrong. Mm. I was so shout proud out to, to James Worthy, man. Oh my God! Shout out to James Worthy. Y'all know, I had I had the King. honor to interview James Worthy myself, and um, he's definitely a very talented vocalist. Worked with a lot of people, so shout out to him. He's definitely got some skills. Yes, 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 guys. Jesus, yes. Shout out to James Worthy, and and I and after he did what he did. Cause you know, at first we were like, okay, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying, we got some, we got some. But when James did what he did to it, that's when we all knew it was like, okay, it's, it's a bop now, it's, it's a hit, it's, it's, it's there for real, for real. And he, uh, and you know, I and I kind of it hit me when I, I I realized I first loved what he did when I was just driving, you know. And a lot of times, you know, I would sing, I would sing guilt verse, then I would rap my verse because you know I put a verse on the end of it, you know. And uh, but when I'm driving, you know, I just find myself saying. You see me even in the shadow of death. I gotta win because I hear my heart beating much of the light. Damn, James Worthy, he got me. When you just start singing the melody over and over again until it becomes an earwig, you know, you just can't get the melody out. That's how you know you got you got a hit, and you got somebody mm-hmm. who's really killing it. So again, shout out to James, and we uh we shot the video for it. the video is going to be released tomorrow. Everybody, listen to the video Night Drive. It will be released tomorrow, 12 a.m. February 25th. Right. All platforms, so check it out on YouTube, and um, that's pretty much that's the story of it, you know. That's the story of it. That's my baby. Two, two oh, years of <laughs> Well, man, we thank you for being here, man, with us on this Sunday. We gonna get into that night drive, man. You got a home here in Harlem, New York. When you come to New, you know, when it's Corona go down and you get out of here, man, we'll bring you up to the TV studio and do it all again. But we are, we definitely oh, was honored you. to have you here on the show with us, my brother. Thank you, man. Let me, and let me say, I've never been to New York, for real, for real. I've been to JFK Airport, but as far as walking the streets, never been. But I can guarantee you, when I do come, you the first place I'm coming to. Uh, you got to come to Harlem, man. You enjoy it. 
Yes, sir. All right. So once again, we got my man John Williams in the building. We're going to get into this joint night drive. We're going to go out on this one. This joint is real, real heartbeat. Big gift, you know what I'm saying, from the Goody Mob. So, once again, we want y'all to go out there, check out my man's stuff. Y'all hearing a little bit of what he got right now. Make sure y'all support that, all right, because we support each other. And once again, we thank John Wynn for being on the show. And Beef Stew Radio, we out. This is Night. This is Night Drive. Drop 
Cardio, pump and sky high. Gotta rip the west side, 225 certified.